0: You're very welcome back to Saturday Chronicle, and we're here with Independent TD Michael McNamara from Scariff. Michael, you're very welcome back to Scariff Bay News Radio. you <laughs> I suppose, John, we we were talking before Michael came in about the, the whole notion of an independent TD.
1: Yes, yes, and uh, it, it, we said we'd we'd ask you, Michael. Well, take what is the your your view? of your role as an independent. You, you, and by the way, fair play to you, you have been on the ball with issues uh, concerning ourselves here in Clare and nationally and internationally. And I want to say as well that some years back we had a talk around our microphone about um, neutrality and human rights. And your supervision, our overseeing of, um, uh, what would you say, elections, elections yeah. in possibly corruptive mm. situations. And um, so we say so we come back to that to start with the neutrality question. Um, I don't know if you've um, formed an expression yet on uh, where you stand on neutrality, but once it emerged uh, that we had a secret agreement with the RAF. Mm. We said, sweet God, that's, that's a serious question. I'm not saying we shouldn't have, but it impacts on, surely impacts on the question of neutrality. So there we are. We'd love to yeah. start you. Yeah, I mean,
2: I, I obviously I was, I don't know, was I shocked? I mean, I suppose, because everybody knows that the RAF uh, overfly Ireland mm-hmm. regularly. Um, and and have been doing for some time so i suppose from that way it wasn't that shocking but the fact that there was a kind of a formal agreement in place maybe was a a big surprise yeah um uh, look the reality is that we don't have the capabilities to defend irish um, um, airspace um, or indeed the irish territorial waters um, as we stand and I suppose arguably we never have had um, since since Irish independence yeah so then I suppose the, it, the question is do you enter into a formal agreement with somebody uh, or do you um, uh, beef up your own military which costs a lot of money and you know we're slow enough to spend money on on, on various problems or do you join a military alliance like um, NATO or well NATO being the obvious one um uh, and I suppose the European Union undoubtedly are sort of moving collectively, um, notwithstanding the fact that there are there were a number of neutral countries, some of which have since abandoned their neutrality. Sweden and fin- uh, Finland uh, were neutral first, suppose, very different reasons. Um, arguably, the 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 Swe- uh, Swedes were neutral; they were military power historically um, would have controlled much of Poland and power in the Baltics and would have had a lot of wars, the Swedish Empire with the Russian Empire over the centuries. Uh, But Mm. Finnish neutrality was brought about by a Russian agreement really to withdraw from Finland um, uh, uh, in return for neutrality and so was Austrian neutrality. Um, And Malta is also neutral and Ireland is of course neutral and most other countries are part of a NATO.
1: Are we actually...
2: Um, neutral when, when are we neutral I mean I don't uh, y- you know what I find more uh, co- what I think questions our neutrality even more than the RAF agreement is is participation in the EU military assistance mission Indeed. to Ukraine um, can you explain that to the, our listeners the, the European Union have set up a military assistance mission to Ukraine that provides uh, training to the Ukrainian army and um, Armaments, but also non lethal um, equipment such as yeah. um, uh, uh, helmets, fuel like diesel, petrol, uh, and um, uh, demining equipment. Now, Ireland is insisting that it's providing non lethal. Um, Equipment, so it's not providing armaments. Well, I accept that if they say they're providing non lethal equipment solely, that's where they are. But I don't uh? don't see how you can read. I think the differentiation between the two, I think Leo Varadkirgan asked me about it, and the doll said, for many, it might be regarded as an Irish solution to an Irish problem, but that's what we're doing and that's what we intend to continue to do. Mm. Um, I think it's Dubious. I mean, Ukraine is at war. Uh, I'm not saying that the war isn't justified, but you know, if we're going to take sides in a war, then we're not neutral. And I think, I think that's what we are doing, rightly or wrongly. I hope and can I we, think we hold it
1: there because that's a very critical, a critical area. What are we going to do,
2: Ethic, ethically? Yeah, I suppose that's, but that's. The question, I mean, that goes back you know, there's a whole lot of jurisprudence and theology around the idea of a just war and when is a, yeah. a war a just war and when yeah. is it not and everybody likes to get the blessing or rulers traditionally went to the blessing of the Pope for the fact that it was a, yeah. a just war. Um, undoubtedly I mean, you know, Ukraine is invaded um, it, it's a, an act of aggression by Russia um, uh, but I, I'm not Personally, I'm not convinced that what Ireland can contribute is very much. So I would have thought that Ireland could contribute more by being a neutral country. That might raise ethical issues. You might say, how can you stand idly by and watch a country be invaded by another? But then you have to ask the question, well, sooner or later at some point there is going to be peace discussions, hopefully soon but you know there are some people who say well how can you talk about peace when a country, part of a country's territory is under occupation. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I don't see that changing, I've never seen that changing. And I mean, now we're, uh, we're 15 months, more than 15 months into it. This Ukrainian counteroffensive doesn't seem to be gaining momentum. So, I mean, whatever peace negotiations take place will take place in the context of part of Ukrainian territory being under Russian occupation. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's, I'm not saying that's right, hmm. but there are the discussions, and I think a neutral state is best placed to, to broker a piece and, and to act as a go between rather than a country which is um, so obvious do you, do you think inside. do you
1: think our Taoiseach uh, the other day in making the pronouncement that he did make in relation to commitment to uh, the ukraine under all circumstances
2: yeah, i mean i'm not sure that his commitment is hugely different to the commitments that 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 um that that Mihal Martin has has given are um, indeed. I mean, I was surprised when um, Zelensky, the yeah. Ukrainian president, addressed the doll and the Count Korda described him as our ally, which is obviously yeah, a, that's it's that's a more I mean. military connotation. So I was surprised yeah, by that. Yeah. Um, I that, but I I think you can be neutral and and. Sit, and have a view, obviously, obviously, you know, we can have a view on, on the rights and wrongs of a conflict, but I'm just not convinced that we have much to offer militarily. And, I mean, um, and our moral support at some point will, I think, um, uh, run hollow. But that's just a, a yeah. personal view. I think neutrality has served Ireland well f- economically, no, but also politi- geopolitically me. over the years. Brussels has indicated to us
1: that we should spend more on defence.
2: Yeah, no, I wasn't certain I, I, that they had, I'm, but I'm, I mean, maybe they have. If they, if they have, if, I'm not going to contradict you on it. Um, uh, certainly, we spend less on defence than most European states. But then, I mean, the Americans spend more on defence than the, than their European allies in NATO, and it's always a big bugbear of successive American presidents trying to get the persuade the Europeans to spend more. We spend very little. Then mm-hmm. you've Iceland, which is a NATO member and doesn't spend anything at all on defence. I think they don't have any. Um, Defense forces, really? Maybe they have some kind of a reserve, like an LDF yeah. or something. But I don't think they have any do you standing. Uh, uh, force.
0: Yeah, I'm just. I, I heard the teacher talking the other day in the context of his visits to Kiev, and um, you know, he was. We're militarily neutral, but we're not neutral in the overall our view of the things. Mm. We are on the side of Ukraine. Mm. I, I'm just wondering. We say we are part of the European Union, and we. We aspire to the European values and that 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 entails, and yet can we stay neutral when those values, maybe through Putin or whatever, are under threat?
2: Um, well, I I, I think we can, but obviously, I appreciate that there are many who think that we can't. Um, you you know, I mean, our values, uh, you know, big powers don't act terribly kindly. I mean, you know, I'm not convinced, you know, America has uh, has, and we're close allies of America and I'm not uh, going down the road of being, you know, uh, I, I think America's been a very benign um, influence in Ireland over, over the years, but um, I'm not sure the extent to which America would countenance a, a belligerent force building up on its borders. Um, yet we uh, and I mean and has acted uh, to to prevent that in, mm. in sort of in the sixties, uh, in the in the eighties in Latin America, um, and uh, maybe arguably in in South America more recently. I mean, it's certainly taken sides, and um, so it can't come as a surprise if Russia does the same or if China does the the the, the same. Um, whether that means that we should um get involved or not i i i, I don't Fully understand how Ursula von der Leyen and on whose authority she um, rushed out there at the very start and um, organised joint conferences with the NATO Secretary General. I mean, NATO is NATO, the European Union is the European Union, and she's very much under her, as President of the Commission. <coughs> the two have become very conflated. Uh, I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think it's what the European Union was set up to do. I don't. Um, Uh, and I don't think it's beneficial to countries like Ireland and ultimately I'm not even sure it's beneficial to Ukraine. Yeah. No. Can but, we move? Yeah. But, but I'm sure the the current Ukrainian government would say it's hugely beneficial to them, and maybe they're better placed to to, mm-hmm. to judge that.
0: And maybe some of the other uh, the ba- the Baltic states, the non the
2: former. Yeah, Lithuania, Estonia. I mean, countries. have a particular view of Russia because they were under mm-hmm. Russian occupation. Yeah. I mean, Poland has too. I mean, I was under. Um, I, I I was under. I lived in Poland for a, a number of years, and I mean, I. I, I see or saw and understand the relationship they had with Russia. But I mean just because they had that relationship with Russia doesn't mean that we're obliged to have that relationship with Russia. I mean, no, but they're part of oh. the EU now, so Yeah, and so are we. Yeah. But, I mean, if they were under attack, then it might be we, we would certainly um, uh, I would have thought of obligations but they're not under yeah. attack. And I mean you know, I do think there's a certain um, hypocrisy at play with Ukraine. I mean, we're talking it up and talking it up and talking it up, but like they're not they're not going to, one of the prerequisites to joining NATO or the European Union is having an agreed border and arguably that's part of the Russian um, reason for invading was to ensure that there wouldn't be an agreed border. So, I mean, I don't see them, like, obviously, that the Ukrainians were very frustrated uh, after the discussions, the, the last uh, NATO and the EU discussions when they weren't given any sort of a date on which they might join. But I mean, the, realistically, I don't think, not, I would be very surprised if they are going to be given a date to join yeah. until they have agreed borders, and of course, they're not going to have agreed borders without a peace agreement, and that peace agreement is, uh, is certainly Crimea is going to be remain Russian as part of that peace agreement and I suspect rightly or wrongly I'm not saying it's morally correct but it's just the realpolitik of the situation okay. that parts of, other parts of Ukrainian territory like the Donbass will probably remain under some kind of Russian control and it's a question of how many young Ukrainian men get slaughtered between now and then and,
0: and Tell, Russian
1: and right. Russian, and Tell, Russian definitely defining and articulating for ourselves Michael what being, what being a European involves, and Jim and myself had a long chat about this, we couldn't actually define the answer. We are members of the European Union, mm-hmm. okay. we benefited hugely, we continue to benefit hugely. Okay. What does it involve in terms of responsibilities on our part?
2: Well, I mean, I, I suppose if a part of the European Union was invaded, we would have uh, a, a duty to think very seriously about going to its assistance. If part of the European Union is flooded, uh, we have a duty to to to, to provide, assist our, our, our uh, burn, you know, if it if goes, goes on fire, etc. I mean, there's a lot of, um, there's also free movement. I mean, we have to allow Europeans to move freely within our territory. Uh, and fellow members of the European Union to, to to move freely within our territory. So they're like major obligations. In effect, you have to treat any citizen of the European Union as you treat your own. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, a big obligation. And I mean, you know, we've lots of... <coughs> um, very Even around East Clare, it's a fairly cosmopolitan place. Many pe- people from very many parts of, of the European Union. Obviously, the, the largest part yeah. would have been the United Kingdom, which is no longer in the European Union. But, but people who have... Um, enjoyed all of the rights here as that Irish people have, and come here and lived. And likewise, Irish people go go there. I think that's. You've, sh- you've shown
1: point. yourself as being a man with ideas. You reflect, obviously, reflect a lot on your role in politics and your participation in politics. What do you see as being the role of an independent?
2: In the democratic process, I, I don't see—I I don't see an independence role being terribly different to any other role. I mean, essentially, yeah. Yeah. you have in any parliament you have m- members of the parliament who support the usually support the government, and members of parliament who usually don't support the government, mm-hmm. and I don't see being an independent as hugely different in that regard. Obviously, I'm not required to support the government. I did enter into discussions with. Um, but the Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael leaderships at the leaderships, after I was uh, elected, uh, about forming a, a government and expressed a willingness and put forward a policy platform with some others, uh, Michael Fitzma- mainly Michael Fitzmaurice and Marion Harkin. Um, but they didn't, you know, they they had the numbers, the comfortable majority w- without independence, so they didn't really engage in that discussion. So then, I mean, I, I, they they don't require my support, nor do they. Sort of, if you're you know, if you support a government, there's some you'd hope uh, occasional consultation process, yeah. but I mean, I found. Uh, and I don't think it's any different to those who are backbenchers supporting the government now. That it's a lot less than people might imagine. Mm. So I mean, you're just there, I suppose, to um, hold the government account, ask the questions, to point out what you if you perceive there to be flaws in a government policy or a proposal or a piece of legislation, to point it out and, and propose amendments if it's legislation as to how it can be improved, which mm. I've done.
0: And I suppose, uh, given that what we do, what the, the way things have developed over the last 30 years, it's it's highly unlikely we will see one party w- rule in this country again, like, you know, football. Yeah, like unlikely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I suppose. So, so when they, the role of an independent could be very... Uh, important bearing in mind the possible mathematics of the situation.
2: Yeah, it could be. I mean, but I do think that independents are going to have to come together, and obviously, the idea of independents coming together to found a party it defeats the purpose of being an independent. <laughs> yes. But I think independents are going to have to be clear in advance of the next election, uh, or a, a grouping of independents are going to have to be clear about a policy like five or six or seven or eight in its, it, things that they want a government to do and pledge that they will support a government that does this in return for for, for that and um, now that might have to be you know if you're in a party I suppose you have a three-line whip all the time I think that's, in Ireland, I think they, obviously we inherited that, took that system from Britain, whereas in Britain you don't have a three-line wave all the time, I mean you're expected to vote at your party, but if you don't it's not the end of the world unless it's a budgetary matter I mean, Bar- Boris Johnson famously kicked out a couple of uh, Tories for not voting for his Brexit yeah. ideas, but it was kind of very controversial because it was seen to be almost dictatorial that people ultimately have a right to vote with their conscience in the British system, and although we've inherited that we have one where you have to vote at your party all the time, I, I think there could be something in between that you 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 know, you vote for what's in, you negotiate a programme for government in good faith and you agree that you will vote for everything that's in that programme for government because you've negotiated and agreed it and that's, you know but if something isn't in the programme for government like the legislation that, that gets put through the doll, that you're, you're not required to vote for it and that the minister of the day who's putting forward a proposal would have to persuade the doll of its merits and I think that's a good thing because yeah. you sometimes have ministers proposing stuff and, you know, all the senior civil servants have persuaded the minister to, to, to go with this proposal and the minister goes with it and then he, he, the backpinchers are bludgeoned into to voting for it without necessarily believing in its merits. Now, yes. I don't think that's democratic. I mean, I think that, obviously, if a, if, if a grouping of TDs are a party, Sinn Féin, Labour, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil... Whoever uh, get amended from the people for their ideas, and they put them fro- they, they implement them. That's that's a different matter to sort of this unquestioning role of civil here. servants. Yeah,
1: are you are you uh, uh, attracted um, uh, to the idea of joining another party?
2: Um, I, I'm not, but I am attracted to the idea of being in government. I'm not going to to, to to lie, I mean, I just think it's all well and good to be in opposition, to be pointing out the flaws, and I'm happy to do that, and, you know, I'd like to think just with some limited success I've done that, but... Like at the end of the day, you, everybody, you know, I, I would like to be. There are, I think, a handful of TDs are maybe who, who don't want to be in government. But I mean, I would prefer to be in government than in opposition. But well, you know, that's, that's down. But that's first. I mean, but to be in the doll in the first place is not something that I would be in any way, um, you know, presupposing or taking. Okay, um, okay. For, for, for we
1: have a pot of money. I mean, unreal. Yeah. And the the challenge, as as I see it, anyway. Uh, is how to spend that money or retain it in the most efficacious way possible. What way would you... i throw the keys to you, okay? You have the keys. You're now going to be an autocrat, all right? Okay. How would you actually spend that huge amount
2: of money? We see, the huge difficulty that the government has is that you have full employment so you've all the money in the world but you can't actually get people if you were to say we're going to build a uh, hundred thousand houses and yeah. we're going to build a high-speed rail line and we're going to build like there, there aren't actually the workers t- to do that and that's that's a real we bring them in problem you, you bring them in but if you bring people in you have to be prepared to you can't just uh you have to be prepared that they're coming for, for a while. I mean, that's what, effectively, Germany did after the first, Second World War. I mean, they had lost a yes, generation of, yes. of their young men. Um, and they brought lots of people in to, to rebuild Germany, but they stayed. I mean, if you bring people in to work, they're here to stay. You have to be realistic about that. And but not, we need them, don't, don't we? Need we them? do need houses. Uh, but then you, the more people you bring in... To build houses, then the more houses they're going to need as well, you know. But we do, there's a huge difficulty. I mean, I think the idea of putting money aside to develop infrastructure when the economy cools, as yeah. it inevitably will, is a very good idea. The concern that I would have is that that money will be plundered to pay for day to day spending when the going gets tough, because governments will. Have the option of do we cut spending? So do we cut spending? And which the government that I supported from twenty eleven to sixteen did. But I, I, I still look back in that time and think that there just was no alternative. I'd like, but do you cut spending on health, education? Social welfare, housing, all those essentials. How about uh, oh, how that? Uh, but if you have a big, huge pool of money, do you, do you cut that, or do you not proceed with the ambitious plan to build a high speed rail network or a yeah. motorway to Cork or whatever? And it's always going to be easier for governments to abandon the infrastructural spending, and that's the the worry about putting this pool okay, of money aside. I, I,
1: I have a particular interest in um, the question of the Irish government whoever is in power, irrespective, that it, uh, in fact, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, takes a very positive share in any energy projects. It's, it's, to me, it's uh, you know, we've turned our backs on anything like the Norwegian model, you know, okay? Yeah. Um, so I'm asking you, can you see anything worthwhile? in being a 50% owner or a 30% owner in any energy projects, especially the big ones, because we've got to get our money back.
2: Well, <coughs> I suppose... Are, are, are we? I mean, it depends on what type of energy you're talking about. I mean, if you're I'm talking well, about oil wait, or gas... Yes. No, I'm talking okay, about wind, wind. 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 Yeah, I mean, offshore wind, um, I, 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 undoubtedly, it, it has... The government have talked a very good game and they have very um, uh, ambitious targets, but... I don't um i, I they increased their targets from seven um gigawatts to uh um to, uh, from five to seven Is it yeah. me- megawatts or gig- gigawatts i'm not even certain i'm sorry gigawatts that Gigawatts. That, yeah yeah and um, of offshore generators, uh, generated electricity yes. by 2030. now i Seems that they're not in a position to meet um, the original five gigawatt target, much less the seven. Um, there's a lot of frustration uh, among investors. Um, obviously, a very ambitious project was announced as a joint partnership between ESB and um, Equinor. So that Equinor is the is yes. the successor. Is, is the name of the current state company in Norway, in which Norway, was yeah. StatOil. Yeah. So I suppose that would be. I mean, if if ESB are involved in it, that's Ireland, mm. uh, because our ESB is state-owned, taking a, a role in that. But they they came and looked around and and left. Um, because they were just felt that the regular the, the planning and regulatory framework was just. Can we attack that? that? Can we attack you that? You kind can, of cost money, um, but you we have the money? Yeah, no, I mean it costs money, and and um, and you need to bring in expertise, and we've been very slow in doing it. I think the government have finally set up Mara, it's the Maritime Area Regulatory Authority. Yes, uh, but it's, I mean they're three years into their term I mean I would have thought I mean e- I joke but I mean if this government was tasked with building ESB there'd be still a lot of diggers down around Ireland yeah um, yes or sorry tasked with building Ireland Crusher, but that's maybe unfair I mean it was a different time and everything but we have been very slow in uh, compared to Scotland I mean most of the big energy companies have come to Ireland um, and there's a huge interest in fines they're down there regularly yes, and then they, they leave and ultimately invest their money in mm-hmm. Scotland because they feel that it's going to, to bring them return a lot faster. So
1: you're in charge now, we've, we've elevated you to mm. decision making.
2: Okay. Would you take on the planning question? Yeah, but I think I mean the fact that you need planning permission is a good thing. I think it has oh, yeah, well, to be I a good do. thing. Don't but I mean, you that. do need. I mean, first of all, albor Planola has little or no, or had little or no. Um, obviously, it had its issues around corruption, which are problematic. But you know, that's human yeah. nature. You can't tarnish a whole organisation with that. I, I, I think that's been an aberration rather than anything uh, systemic. Yes. Um, but. Uh, uh, it has very little environmental expertise. I mean, the difficulty is for any major infrastructural project, they're going to commission a big environmental firm to do a, a report. And that big environmental firm will commission lots of smaller ecologists, environmentalists around the country or groupings out of them to do various parts of it. But I mean, ultimately, we'll be influenced by, well, what's the what's the answer you want? You know what I mean? That's how consultants mm. work. and mm. um, and then on board Planala, we have to adjudicate upon that based on this report. But there is no expertise in Onboard Planala to second guess that. So, I mean, I have seen reports, even the one, I mean, the Schlieve, the, 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 the Schlieve Barna wind farm development, and I know lots of people are in favour of it in the locality. It, equally, there are lots of people against it. I mean, there are aspects of that that I found troublesome. I mean, I, I, it said there was no hydrological connection from that site to. The, the the River Shannon whereas mm-hmm. I know there's a stream that flows through that site into Locker Grady and out at Scariff Bridge and into the dock and out I mean that's a hydrological connection if, if you can get something as basic as yes. that wrong I'm not an ecologist mm-hmm. uh, you know but it would make me question like how something like that got accepted um, and and uh, went right through the uh the planning process. Um, so, I mean, you do need to massively increase the the environmental um, expertise in urban planning. And that would
0: have to come from abroad, would you think? No, no I don't think no, so
2: necessarily. But it means it's certainly creating a lot of posts. You know, I mean, there are lots of people with environmental, right, I know, my like neighbours with uh, who, in, who have studied ecology and environmental uh, science um, to well know. You know, yes. I don't think it has to come from abroad. But the posts have to be created, and and, and I think an acceptance of that it's important that we that we have a robust planning system that you know that you have to get planning permission but and um, that, that it, there has to be a proper adjudication process and it's not just a a, a rubber stamp exercise. And with, yeah.
0: the, with the planning issues maybe across the board do you think it needs to be faster?
2: Oh yeah. And, and, and a large part of thats that is the—I that, that, mean—you you set up a legal system, and it's supposed to be faster. You have to, if you want to, like, launch a case against a development. You have to do it in a very short period of time. Likewise, if you—it's like immigration. If you're questioning the legality of a, an immigration decision, it'll inevitably be a negative one because no one's going to question the, the legality the of a positive one. But you have to do that in a very fast time frame. But then the judges aren't there, and the courts aren't there to actually hear that. So, like, you have to bring your case within a month like you could be a year waiting to have the first step of it heard and it could be two or three years later before it comes out of the, hmm. the, uh, the, so the legal process be, yeah, it means more. I mean we do have people give out about judges lawyers etc but we have a lot less judges per head of population in Ireland than most other EU states so I mean you do need more more resources but that costs money, that costs taxes mm-hmm.
1: you know? I, My own granddaughter is an ecologist and it's a very competitive uh, world out there there aren't enough graduates coming yeah. out, um, and as long as that continues, you, you, you're going to have the delays that are cause did cause, and will cause. You know,
2: but equally, suppose if, if if it were announced that in four years' time, on board, like in has this, you know, that. It, our state bodies were going to be taking on i mean the national parks and wildlife service in fairness under the greens have increased the 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 numbers of people who work for them but i mean they need to be beefed up on board on board planola or maybe maybe it will be that the national Parks and wildlife service could be tasked with looking at the Mm. the um the environmental side of, a, of a, a planning application because they obviously have a, a expertise but either way you know if there were more jobs in that area maybe more people would you know the universities would um, increase the numbers of places and people they would be more a, attractive thing to yeah. to study.
1: The big Mark. question Jim, the big questions which is going to um, be thrown against us will be the migration question, uh, water problems I put down on my note here, the refugee question, which is tied into the international scene. And but also, we need more people here. And therefore, we have an opportunity to hold on to some of the people that have come from uh, uh, war zones. Hmm. or um, So, instead of people getting angry at times, about our acceptance of um, of refugees. We should be working on them even for our own reasons, that we need a balanced population. The population is getting too old. It's an increasing cost, right?
2: Yeah, and those going is the to pay our pension. It's a, uh, a huge problem for every European state. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my but equally I mean I suppose the increase in pop, I mean it's just the increase in population across the world is also a big problem I mean there are you know it does contribute to global warming I mean the final, the final if the human population continues final to question. continually get yeah, bigger right. to have final, problems.
1: definitely the final, the final question uh, what's your great political ambition oh god
2: <laughs> that's a that's a a big one I mean I, I don't know if there are lots I mean I'd like to see I, I really like I mean I think we have a very beautiful countryside around here that's under threat I mean I, I see more and more um, intensive type agriculture uh, I see less tourists around here in real terms than I did when I was a child and compared to West Clare, I mean, it's, you know, they've exponentially increased the number of tourism and ours has fallen down. I'd like to see <clears throat> that addressed. Uh, I think it can be addressed. I really think this um, Greenway project and project, the scarab yeah. man involved yeah. in it, yeah. it has the potential to revolutionise tourism in, in this area. And that, in turn, will allow maybe for more... A, a different type of agriculture a more maybe a more craft produce to be you know, like, like every farm produced X amount of milk and butter and people were producing things whereas now it's increasingly farmers have been moved towards producing one product um, and to the detriment of I suppose ultimately the environment. Yes, I'd like to see that addressed, so that, that that people, instead of having to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and or else get out of farming, that people would be able to make a living of smaller Units. land holdings like yeah. they used to. Inc- and I think agri-tourism and tourism has to be part of that, in in my view.
0: Okay, listen, Michael McMahon the the clock has caught up. With us. Sorry, uh, many <laughs> no, it was not at all. And we could keep going for another half an hour, and and we still wouldn't. Got to it all, but listen. Many thanks for coming in to us today, and uh, we look forward maybe to chatting again, maybe about those issues to do with tourism in East Clare. Uh, we might get a chance to flesh out those again.
2: Yeah, mm.
0: thanks. Thanks for coming. Thanks. thanks very much. Thank you, Michael.